Fear is primarily an emotion about the body, its fleshiness and its precariousness. In its most basic form, fear ensues from the activation of the amygdala, a primitive part of the brain that modulates vigilance and arousal levels towards external stimuli, mobilising the defence mechanisms in the body before a potential danger is fully cognitively assessed. However, fear is not merely an evolutionary response to a presumed threat, it is also a mental and cultural construct in which manifests the interface of body and mind, self and other, consciousness and non-consciousness. Fear is felt within, through and across physical, mental and cultural layers, implicating the body both as the internal reservoir of anxiety and as the external referent of apprehension towards others. Historian Joanna Burke Welcome to the Patter Pod. My name is Jamie, and in this episode, I'm joined by Ewan, Sean, and Luke to discuss the topic of fear what frightens us and why it frightens us. Enjoy. There's a fear that makes you like jump out of your chair and act, and then there's a fear that just makes you sink <laughs> down deeper <laughs> into that chair. Or yeah, just put yeah. a pillow in front of your face and cry. <laughs> you made a different like the components when you talk about dread and things, Jamie. I'd never oh, yeah. seen it broken down like that. So like yeah. my my idea was why why isn't like I Daniel Blake a horror movie? Like the idea of you being on the benefit system just being fucked over by it. But it's, it's a dread, really. It's not a horror, because it's not jumping out your seat. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, uh, <laughs> dread is like the, the initial part of fear. So it's like the, anticip- um, the kind of anticipation of fear of, yeah. or, or something horrific to happen. And then there's, like, terror. You're in the moment of witnessing something horrific. And then horror is um, um, kind of defined as witnessing the aftermath or result of a horrific event as it unfolds. So, mm. yeah, like, these kind of... Um, you know, bleak social realisms are kind of full of dread because uh, you're just anticipation. You're you're anticipating the next like hurdle that you've got to jump over, or the next kind of mm. problem. Yeah, you know, you've seen those things on YouTube when people take like uh, innocent scenes and just by clever editing they turn them into like horror movies. <laughs> Obviously, they're quite funny because they've got all the material there. It just takes some like subtle music shifts in camera, music, a massive thing. Mm. Uh, and they can transform like what are seemingly innocent scenes into horror. Doesn't really take that much to do it. No, Absolutely. especially especially in um, I mean, so much horror films are based around the kind of this, the domestic sphere in a way. Yeah, the idea of the, the haunted house is that yeah. idea, you know, somewhere that should be a sanctum of kind of safety, which you know so well, it's like so easily corrupted, and um, by something that even goes like a wee bit awry. It kind of shatters your whole perception of this, um, you know, your your cocoon or your little burrow that you, you think you know so well and you've got such yeah. control over. It's that, it's that idea of home being so comforting and mm. then this place that's not home that could be, you know, 
Yeah. The, the worst place in the world. The idea I, could, of I couldn't even go to haunted houses, man. I hate haunted houses. <laughs> so good. I remember we went to fair, not in fairground. We went, yeah, we went to, we went to. I, I mean, I lived in a haunted house. <laughs> exactly. We've been through that, but like we went yeah. to, we went to Universal, I think it was, and they had this like, it was like a long bungalow like house cabin thing, and it was maybe like Texas Chainsaw style, and you went in. And it was like a like a house of horrors, like people were like chasing you with chainsaws, people were like trying to grab you. I just couldn't, I couldn't even get through the door. I was that terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like the best character in The Shining is the building itself. The Overlook Hotel is yeah. the scariest character in The Shining. Okay. It's uh, it's like a it's like a house, but uh, distorted and <laughs> warped. It's like a hotel, a house with lots of rooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that where it's, it's actually incorporated into the building is particularly scary. Like I remember our, our family's uh, house in, on the high street had a, a basement to it that we only discovered after years of staying there. It must have been 14 years or something of us being there. Wow. And then we realised once we cleared out the bottom bit, there was a basement. And that used to freak me out, that idea of like, we don't know what's in there. And then when we went down, it was fucking terrifying because there was all these old dentist chairs. And uh, the initial reaction is just like, oh, this is a bunker where people would, uh, you know, do torture to each other. <laughs> <laughs> and then you realise that, oh, no, wait, there's a dentist next door. This must be like his old basement. <laughs> uh, I think like there's the, this is like, that's fertile ground to be explored why do basements and attics always appear in horror movies yeah in so the bad like, sorry it's, yeah. like the, it's like the kind of like shadow realm of your like your your house or your, your domestic uh, setting yeah it's, 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 your home you've got your homely space and then the kind of dark space yeah it's, yeah, where, you put, it's where you put like the undesirable things the things you don't need mm-hmm. like you put them away so yeah. what, what else yeah. is up there yeah, what, like, what, what, yeah. What, what like what secrets are you hiding up there? Like, like, mortuaries or graveyards of like old but, broken christmas trees like zizek's idea of what psycho is where I've in, not seen that, no. so in the bates motel there's three levels to it and then in the top level is his his mother, and his mother keeps calling and things like that. So the top level is the super ego. It's the, the right. sound of the the parent kind of admonishing or telling you off, telling you what to do. And mm-hmm. then the the middle level is the ego. That's where everything happens just as normal. That's where where day to day activity happens. And then in the basement where her body is finally discovered, that's the id. That's where mm-hmm. there's no rules and it's just um, mm-hmm. desires and 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 horror. And things like that so i think quite often uh in horror they replicate that those three levels and 100 percent they might use an attic yeah i always like well watching like hereditary uh, today like the the dead granny is in the attic because uh, it's her influence is like oversees everything she's in the attic so she's above everyone but it's, it's literal she is she is the presence that influences all <laughs> Uh, subsequent events in the Babadook a lot of stuff happens in the basement because that is literally not literally where things are buried but people are burying their fears literally in the burying yeah. and it's not but the basement is the foundation it's like they're that's why they always have to go in the bit of the basement to uh, uh, confront these things is because that's where they have been buried they've been yeah. pushed down subconsciously that, that's a really that's... good point yeah no matter what the horror is what, what was the last thing I watched that was along those levels of like um I think it was a. It may have been a Texas Chainsaw uh, 
franchise, one of one of those movies. And obviously, when you're on open land, everything has to operate as normal because that's your normal society. That's where things happen. But underneath, there's a layer, and that's mm. where the horror happens. That's where the bodies are, and that's yeah. where the. I mean, like to look at Hereditary again, like uh, the granny is uh, in the attic, the mother is in the house, and then the daughter is in the mother. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. like uh, I'm trying to think how could how could you like form that? Like a big little granny is like the super ego up in the attic. The mother is the ego who exists on this plane. She's in the house, and then the id is like a dead daughter who's possessed the mother with all these like yeah. dead and violent tendencies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do they do they bring the granny that once a year and put a star on her head? I mean, <laughs> yeah, you get something a lot of mischief put it that way. The whole point of hereditary is. Um, everyone's doomed to repeat the sins of their father so if you're you know if your forefathers have buried and repressed all your emotion then you're mm-hmm. kind of doomed to, to do the same thing yeah but it kind yeah. of hinges on doesn't it the kind of you know that's true though I only, only, only smoke because my dad was. <laughs> that, that idea as well that idea of like height or, or depth um also i suppose comes down to an evolutionary thing of like we we, we feel most we feel we feel at our most ease if we're higher up or lower down than someone where we where if we're lower down we like the idea that people can't see us if we're higher up we like the idea that we can see people and they can't see us we yeah. feel evolutionarily safe there those are the, the That's places very that we egotistical like. of you you in that one, yeah uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't I feel you like see that, that. you see that like you're seeing the middle grounds like the house and that's kind of the safest place and these films are though but and that's where the horror either comes from up above or down below it's oh, the, oh, yeah. the, the people that can view you that you're not seeing mm-hmm. them but you never you never see like in these films you never see like a, a, it's like a scary like kitchen really like open spaces with windows it just feels very safe you yeah, see, exactly. any kitchen is terrifying if it's got nuts in it um, <laughs> <laughs> you see what you were saying about your clothes you and like or your, your stairwell you found the basement like even in places that like you know are safe like I remember anytime I used to go to your house like because it was the light never worked down there or, and the light in the hall was always out. I used to run from the bottom <laughs> of your stairs all yeah. the way up to the, your room, and just like, and like as soon as like, I opened your door, like I'd cool, like all right. Yeah, <laughs> one of my memories is like running through the close. I used to do that so often. Yeah, like, I would run through. The exactly. Run through the door. I, yeah, even your close. Yeah, even my, even my close, like yeah. my house, my close. Like I would run through it. I'm pretty sure once I was more like the silhouette of Ewan's dad or brother. <laughs> Terrifying. terrifying silhouette. Ah! <laughs> this huge belly gargoyle. <laughs> yeah, one of the again a big like. Uh, aspect that comes in horror movies is that these spaces are claustrophobic like the house the house that was once safe really quickly turns into like a a really tight close-fitting prison cell yeah well yeah i suppose the way that that might work in things like i suppose there's an attempt to put that on its head where there's things like a quiet place where if you're inside the house you're safe like Mm -hmm. the, the horror is outside that's an attempt to like flick that on its head yeah. yeah, so that you're safe inside, but then eventually at the end of the quiet place, obviously that's where, it, like you say, Jamie, the outside infiltrates the inside. Yeah, the, well, the that, that, yeah, controls. that's exactly what happens in um, a Clockwork Orange when that that kind of elderly gentleman invites the, hmm. the protagonist of Clockwork Orange. What's his name? Alex. He invites him into his house, and then he just kind of get, gets bludgeoned to death by that penis sculpture before too long. It's the corrupting force of uh, the kind of horror in the domestic realm. What were they? Uh, I was trying to remember what that they were called. Are they called drugs? Called drugs, yeah. 
I've yeah. only I've read I've only read the book. I've never seen the film. Yeah. Um, but I know that when you're talking about that idea of like what what what's scary about a Clockwork Orange, and you talk about the youth culture of it. Yeah. Well, like that yeah yeah. The language, the idea of the language that they use. Like I I used to remember the language and be able to kind of construct little sentences in it. Yeah. Groody and things like that. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a whole new it's We're a whole full new culture. Yeah. Well, that that was that was that was. Um, reading about the paranoia that that generation was feeling towards the like emerging youth cultures, the kind of advent of the teenager in the sixties and fifties. Yeah, um, that was a weird phase for you. You and you were wearing bowler hats and walking with a cane, <laughs> drinking a bar on one eye. Because <laughs> yeah. it, horror... it was always in the milk bar, pulling <laughs> yeah. up your gutty what's <laughs> That language to me always strikes me as being like terribly infantile, and it's like these these people have grown into adulthood but they remain as these like uh, like um, conscience free uh, consequence free violent children and even though they're adults they still use their own little like babyish language does that add to the kind of terror though? oh absolutely as a terror yeah. because it's like they're it's like yeah they're grown like they have the yeah, they have like a destructive mind of like a toddler, but they're yeah. grown men who are like powerful. The it's end that, of the end of Anthony Burgess's novel, he he's got a chapter six. I think there's five chapters and a sixth chapter, and the sixth chapter is all about the repentance of Alex and how he how he views his bad behaviour. But I think in the American edition, the, it only goes up to the fifth, so it ends in like a a bloody gritty scene. Hmm. Uh, a horror show scene, I think is that that's where that comes from. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they. And in the in the sixth chapter, he kind of repents and sees the error of his ways, but that wasn't included in. I, I'm guessing the movie, it wasn't included in the the, the chapter of the American novel. I mean, a, a lot of horror um, kind of hinges on that frictions that exist between the old and the new. And that's very much what um, Clockwork Orange is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even the fact that he gets like that guy gets bludgeoned to death by this uh, piece of modern art. Is that conflict between old and new like? Repeated all the time in horror, like is this yeah. the well, same? Is, I mean, Frankenstein is well, exactly. Frankenstein. Frankenstein is the the kind of most uh, the, the most famous example of that the kind of suspicion of uh, emerging technologies. You yeah, find that yeah. even even in like in most of it's something that's like from the past is now either coming back to like haunt or kill um, something in the future, or mm-hmm. in the present. You know, it's, it's always something like that. Yeah. Even like every every killer's got like a there's like a past backstory, isn't it? Yeah. I, was, when, uh, that, uh, I remember you asked me to send you it once, Jamie, and I sent it across. But I don't know if you read it or not. But uh, Freud's essay on the uncanny. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. It, he mentions a, in a part of that, which um, about halfway through, he mentions about what we do with our dead now, mm. and the fact that what we do with our dead now is bury them and revere them, and we mm. we like uh, we see them as um, don't talk ill about the dead. And things like that, and that may way be may well be a way of us handling the sort of illogical fears we have of the dead. Like we don't want them to come back and haunt us, so let's give them a good funeral. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Talk, the bastards. Honor, talk, honor them. Talk, talk nice of Agnes now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, in, in horror, we see like dead, the state of being dead being undone. Like death isn't. Death isn't what it used to be. I think it's like the George Romero like thing. Death ain't what it used to be. <laughs> yeah. It's like death. Like death is in the end. You you live on as like a horrible zombie or something like that. I don't know. Well, no, that's that's the point of the 
of Frankenstein is when when man learns to harness electricity. Electricity, you know, where where does it end? Do we reanimate the dead? Do we are are we allowed to you know let go of our dead loved ones? There's some great examples of like going back to the 19th century, um, when the like electric electric pylons were first put in in America. There was like so, like hundreds of examples of folks like saying they saw um, ghostly apparitions going up and down the wires. Uh, uh, ghost in the wire yeah yeah there was like there's one example from 1840 wow. uh, two two sisters heard a uh, morse code knocking through, <laughs> through the through the um the floorboards when they when they got their kind of early uh, kind of electric instrument. what was it what was the message <laughs> i will kill <laughs> you your knees topped up um, kiss each other and that, go, that goes back to you know the Luddites of the 18th and 19th century yeah. I mean it's something that I just watched Parasite two nights ago nice. I hadn't seen that before and that, that strikes on that the idea of like the, the three tiered house what, what happens upstairs is is secretive and what happens in the middle is ego and then what happens underneath is this strange uh, netherworld that are trying to communicate with the ego yeah, by, through yeah. Morse code on their their lungs. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's repeated yeah. all the time. It's repeated like yeah, it's like a, maybe the most like uh, the most common. Or now that you notice it, you'll just like you'll always see it. And when I was watching Hereditary, I was thinking, when is the attic going to make an appearance? <laughs> I wonder who plays the attic in this movie. It's a wooden <laughs> attic. And that's why there's like these tropes in horror movies, like be they kind of like actual characters. Or figures, or you know, like realms, they're all kind of tried and tested, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. They, they strike work, a chord. That's, that's why they keep uh, returning to them. Yeah, I mean, I was going to talk about like uh, like Frankenstein, or talk more about it there. Uh, I mean, Frankenstein's monster is a pretty sympathetic creature. We don't sympathise mm. with the villagers who are trying to uh, like destroy Frankenstein's monster. We mm, don't. Yeah. We don't sympathise with like uh, with the other examples you used there. Uh, yeah. And a conflict between things that are being created anew. We sympathise, do we sympathise with the monster, allegedly, the alleged monster? Do we sympathise more with that than we do with, like, the heroes who are mm. out to, like, destroy this the thing? I mean, the people who destroy Frankenstein's monster, they want to remain in, like, the agricultural age. It's the, it's the modern industrial yeah, age that yeah. they don't want. Because at, at the end of the day, he gets, uh, he gets murdered in a... Is it a uh, windmill yeah, yeah yeah exactly well that goes yeah. back there there's like in blake's poem that jerusalem you know, the we've been national. we've been reading the same notes jamie oh, <laughs> no that's like the, the idea of the dark, the dark satanic, satanic mills yeah yes, sir. yeah we've done our homework and yeah it's like, it's like the kind of the i suppose it's like the kind of demonization of industrialization essentially yeah which goes by emerging technologies i guess i guess that's is that the idea of where now when we say anti-hero we maybe think of like a I don't know, uh, train spotting, or we maybe think of like a Hunter S. Thompson character who's maybe not morally what we want them to be, but is still the person we're, we're, we're rooting for. Deadpool, think, Deadpool, Deadpool. Yeah, exactly. That's a good example. Yeah. But I think, I think maybe anti hero used to mean things like Frankenstein, things that are like absolutely, why, why do we have the backing of that character? Mm. We just do. But now it's become so diluted that we mean someone who's maybe a bit morally bankrupt. Corrupt, yeah. Did you ever feel sorry for Jason? Yeah, there is a I couple of times did. Jason. kind of did. Yeah. All right, yeah, especially when you know his backstory with his, yeah. uh, his mum. Yeah. yeah, it kind of took away the scariness because I was like, yeah, you know what, I think I'd react the same way. <laughs> That's true. Can you be terrified of something you kind of understand? Like, if you understand why a psychopath's going to kill you, 
Is it still scary? Or well, do that, you... that's, the, that's, that's the full thing, though. It's something like, it's like, it's something like Freddy Krueger, the first like Freddy Krueger film, he's in it. You actually see him for like, is it like two minutes of like an hour and a half film? Like all in, it's like 120 seconds because it's like built around the like what like unknown and the, the kind of the dread is what they talked about. And then as soon as you see him, it's like, huh. That's not scary. <laughs> yeah, maybe we're moving away from that so much, aren't we? With like Todd Glass's Joker, for example, the probably the latest one of like trying to take the Joker as a psychopathic character and understand him, or like before that maybe um the the idea of like the yeah, Alan Moore's oh. like a Joker comic where he, he takes him back and he understands this guy who's failing his family and he he, he sets out to try and kind of make some money on a, a score and then and then falls into a bat of acid and becomes a total babbling mm. psychopath. Well, no, yeah, let's like, talk about then, but the, the appearance of like these like monsters, like they they're scarier when they look a uh, more human. That's why these like I, I read these interesting notes that like when you watch a low budget movie and you see a uh, some like low budget gore, it's almost as if it's an assault on the whole like filmmaking process itself. Mm. It's like it's not just the uh, like you're literally I don't know there's there's no separation between you the viewer watching some like a uh, really impressive CGI monster or whatever so like you're watching somebody in makeup. It's like the 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 concept of the uncanny valley. It's like you don't need to, when you're talking about the actual appearance of folk like you know Freddy Krueger and mm-hmm. Jason. I mean, they're like almost completely human, apart from like you know, slight slight disfigurements. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like it's like the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, you just need to corrupt it ever so slightly to make it really unsettling. Oh, yeah. Rather than you, you know, it would be it's more that, terrifying that they're like that rather than some horrible mutant with thirteen arms. Is that because it's like? Yeah, that's true. Is that giving the impression it's like slightly more possible that these things could exist because they look mm. near human? I suppose that's really. that's how fear works as well. Like you. You're, so the reason when you said in your intro, Jamie, about the amygdala, there's a a, a, a patient called SM that usually in, neuro, in neurology and uh, neuropsychology, you just use someone's like initials or you, you mix up the initials and just give them uh, things so that they can't be traced. Mm-hmm. And SM was the first person that had like bilateral amygdala disintegration. I'm sure there's a better term than that, but their amygdala from both sides of their hemisphere was completely ruined. Right. And and they had no fear responses. Mm. They the, the usual things you would find them interesting, exciting, but they wouldn't be scared of them. Um but our fear works even if our, our brains are absolutely intact, it works along the fact that the you get the f- flight or fight response. Mm-hmm. But then beyond that you get dissociation. When you're so scared that you can't handle what's happening, you oh, yeah. become dissociated from it, and it becomes unreal. So, like the the, the most you the more you can make it real and palatable, the the less you get that normal psychic um, ability to just dissociate and just say, "Well, that's silly." I'm not scared of that because that's. But silly. is that like that dissociation is like almost like a response in itself? It's like yeah, remo- it's right, removing response, your consciousness yeah. from like reality, i.e. Yeah. You know, this doesn't affect you. This is just happening to your body in the physical realm. <laughs> like we we operate yeah. in a kind of higher subconscious, well, like a higher consciousness. Absolutely, yeah. You just remove yourself from dissociation. It's just removing yourself from what's going on and yeah. thinking. You know, some of the most terrible things you can imagine happen to you, but your you your mind dissociates from your body and you view yeah. it as almost an outer body experience of like it's like body or It's yeah. about us as humans. Whether it's like we're not in complete control of ourselves because the amygdala and a reptilian brain are in real control or like, you know, the kind of 
the like parasitical elements of like alien or you know there's a kind of primitive beast lurking inside of us like the fly you know a lot of it's based in the kind of our corporal reality i think it's called yeah definitely yeah the corporal reality which i think of your body and everything that can go wrong with it oh god yeah no well that's what freaked me out about um hereditary because there's obviously the scene in um the kitchen but I think I, I, I suffer from a bit of anxiety and I think a lot of it comes from, you know, having allergies because <laughs> you've got, it's constantly kind of preying on my mind. I've got to check, mm-hmm. you know, your foods. I've got to make sure nothing, like when I go out to eat in restaurants and there's no Pe- nuts, blah, blah, blah. Peanut but, monster. Yeah, yeah, the peanut monster is like honey puff monster. It's going to get me. But um, that, the, the point of the kind of the scene with, in hereditary with the when she suffers anaphylactic shock is yeah it's horrible. peanut it's horrible but point that scene is like the peanuts didn't kill her it was the chaos and panic that came from that fear that actually killed her because she gets decapitated when they're you know breaking the oh yeah yeah it's not the, yeah it's, it's not, not the, the thing allergy. itself it's the anxiety and the panic that yeah is, is created around that which at, the, is, at the start of the notes when you're talking about like the idea of what what is fear is that the emotion or the reaction is that does that come into that idea of like is it the is it the emotion that's the worst thing or is it the reaction of what that fear makes you do or what that fear makes you not do yeah no yeah totally it was like i've like speaking personally i've never suffered severe anaphylactic shock but i've I've suffered panic attacks because i think i i'm going to have um, anaphylactic shock which is like bizarre yeah sometimes the fear is not not the scary thing like it's not it's not jason breaking through with a, a hockey mask and a knife it's the fear as you reflect you're like what the fuck would i do if that happened <laughs> see what see what like see today watching hereditary when the the poor little girl is like her head pops off uh one time on the train coming into waverly i stuck my head out the window oh you silly bit. i know i know i know and i look back at that i'm like can't do that man like the train's like going through tunnels and there's like poles that run really close who would you like, do that right so like, yeah it was kind of like at the bit like where the doors are maybe where the toilet was as well and then uh, one of the windows when like it wasn't like a like a plastic like shield almost that just could be slid down and slid up it was slid down and as we were coming in i was just like fuck i'm gonna stick my head out there and i stuck my full head like out the window just probably like a split second and pulled it back in and afterwards i was just like I didn't really think about it. I didn't think about it then, but now I think about it. I'm like, you can't just stick your head at a fucking train window. Well, that like that whole like, as I said earlier, like I should like horror films because when I was younger, I used to watch them a lot. Like for some reason, my my mum had them, but she didn't even watch them. We had all the Nightmare on Elm Streets, um, like Chainsaw Mask, I, all these like really like horrific like scary films. I watched when I was young that I can't even watch now. Mm. Why like, not? Because <laughs> I'm because I'm scared. I'm just but what are you scared of though? You're scared. I don't know. You're That's scared. The thing. I don't you're know. Scared, you're scared of your past self because you're a thought, man. Like when I was that age, I was so mental. I could watch stuff like that. No, I'm not. The fear for me is that a previous version of me stuck the head out the window. Yeah, it's not the fear that I could have been decapitated because I mean there must have been like maybe there's countless incidents when you could have been decapitated maybe not ones as careless as that but the fear is that fuck I've done stupid things 
I, I will do them again. <laughs> I might do them again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Your fear shot is that you shot you once existed as a person who could maybe witness these horrors and they would just it'd be like water off a duck's back. But now what scares you is that as an older, more mature man, you would watch them and it you would be a, a quivering wreck. <laughs> Exactly. That's no, exactly that's right. That's exactly right. I watch Freddy Krueger and then decide to just. I don't like, no, can't watch yeah, Get some kitchen knives and make myself a little glove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I don't. Yeah, that that comes into that idea that in uh, is it in Annie Hall, the Woody Allen film, where Christopher Walken comes in and says, um, "I drive. I had to give up driving because I'm scared that every time I was racing towards like oncoming cars, I just thought." I, flick of the wrist and I could yeah. be dead and that's why I'm scared of heights it's not because of it's not like a scare I'm not scared of uh, I don't have vertigo where I look down and I get dizzy I'm scared of heights because I'm terrified that I'm just going to go ah fuck it I'm just going to run off the side of this yeah. <laughs> that, is a, that is a part of vertigo like looking over a height and thinking like I've been drawn over it like maybe like you don't want to jump but like this like urge to like keep yeah, going yeah, yeah, why go. is that urge so common well, that's like the only part of vertigo. I, like, I, I would, I wouldn't say I have vertigo, but like, if I'm in any heights, I have this urge to just like, you know, it's it's weird. I don't get dizzy or anything like that. The, the, yeah, that urge is. I mean, there must be something like uh, it's some like remnant in our uh, reptilian brain. There must be some evolutionary reason because Did I can't we evolved from like... any flying animals. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Not me anyway. Uh. Well, maybe must... that's, yeah, I suppose, like, yeah, it's crawling out of the soup, the primordial soup. It's not natural for us to be. Oh, exactly. That'll be it. It's it's like re- returning to Mother yeah. Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Get yourself down there. Quick. Quick <laughs> it might kill you, but at least you'll be down yeah. there. Yeah. One of my favourite, um, I suppose it kind of links into what we're talking about. My favourite horror tropes or figures is the uh, the wolfman or the werewolf. It personifies pretty much what we've been talking about, the kind of mental illness, the kind of paranoia about us not being in control of our bodies and that we're going to slip into a more kind of primitive form of ourselves. And what I like best about the wolfman is, obviously the wolfman is synonymous with like full moons, the kind of the, which is like the lunar... And then the lunatic, which is where like, the lunatic yeah. comes from, yeah. Yeah, but also lupo, like lupo is the Latin yeah. for wolf. So all all these terms have the same kind of etymology, mm-hmm. and they're kind of like all um, tied up in the werewolf, which I think is kind of like this perfect. Do you think that gives some credence to the <laughs> the uh, veracity or not of <laughs> werewolves? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> it's like tying, you're like uh, tying all these threads together. I suppose. Oh, when did we admit that the yeti is a wolfman? Oh, don't get me started on the Yeti, Ian. Don't get me started on the Yeti. <laughs> but I mean, like, the, the, the wolfman is persecuted for who he is. It's mm. a fear of just being yourself. Yeah. Well, that's why it's always, like, um, yeah. associated with kind of teen horror movies. Because it's, uh, it's a paranoia about kind of metamorphosizing during adolescence into, yeah. like, hairier, sweatier... Exactly. ...hornier yeah. version of yourself. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. To, transformative real young man and mm. society just doesn't want that no yeah. one does fit in or you will be ostracized yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically yeah. adolescent idea of the wolfman yeah mm-hmm. i love that idea of uh, with the, the idea of mental illness with the wolfman of like mm-hmm. um that's what scares me more than anything the, the idea of like a alien and housing some inner inner being inside your body mm-hmm. it doesn't scare me see the the black mirror episodes where they play with mental illness 
Yeah. Like, are, are they playing with the idea that maybe a lifetime can go by in a second? Uh, that terrifies me where I, I find it unsettling to watch. Yeah, I stopped watching Black Mirror because it was just like totally rubbing me the wrong way. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I'm not enjoying this anymore. Like, I mean, on one hand, I was, you're thinking the people who make this are a uh, really, really, uh, they're, they're, they've got impressive abilities to make stuff that uh, effective. I was trying to like console myself, telling me that this was made by humans. But I mean, if someone told me that Black Mirror was made by the devil, I would believe them. <laughs> Charlie Brooker is Satan. Yeah, like this is just Satan who made that. Maybe it's something you've seen, Ewan, because I know you go watch horror movies uh, with other people. Like, do you ever witness in the, the cinema? Do you witness your pals? Do you ever witness them laugh a lot? during yeah. horror movies i think people like even when i was watching hereditary today i found myself maybe like chuckling at an inappropriate moment and i wondered well i've never done that before like why is that am i habituated to the violence or am i just like trying to convince myself everything's okay is laughter not even a, like a, a kind of reaction to a kind of like being yeah, why or being, being on the set oh, yeah, like, yeah. but, yeah. but I think maybe it, it depends on the person like if you're someone who maybe does laugh like like if I get a fright I'll laugh like Nikki like spends most of her day trying to work out ways to give me a fright and I, like <laughs> anyway, whenever she does I just laugh like, okay, I wonder like what's the what's our good like analysis of that is it because like the laughter kind of brings you back to a sense of yourself. Like well, when so you're that, scared, the idea, you're the idea, lost. The idea in Joker is that his his um his unpreventable laughter, his almost like um a Tourette syndrome laughter, comes from mm. trauma. That's how he his his traumas left him with that laughter. And that's like I, that's one of the really good parts of that film. That his the laughter from him and and the drive for comedy seems to come from this place of deep trauma. Yeah, is that just exaggerated on? But it's that's kind of reality for people who do laugh when they're nervous like that. Is that is it because I'll, we, I'll, if if we've got some watch, form of trauma in us? Is that why we do it? If I go and watch a horror movie, usually it'll be me sitting there. Like Blair Witch Two, Blair Witch Two is the perfect example of me going. I'm gonna have to leave. Like I'm, I'm gonna have to go outside. <laughs> And then almost being scared of going outside because I'm just fucking my anxiety's through the roof. And Laura's just sitting next to me laughing. Yeah. Like, what are you laughing at? There's oh, nothing man. funny happening. But I mean, like, that, 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 that. <laughs> She's laughing at you. <laughs> um, yeah, I spoke about this like uh, before before we started recording, I think. But uh, um, that moment in a horror movie when you feel yourself getting sucked in and you consciously take a step back yeah. because you're like, I do not want to get so sucked into this that I am going to shriek in terror. <laughs> I'm going to take a step back. I think the people who are maybe laughing during horror movies yeah. have just put their barriers up that a would little be, bit too that would soon. Be my exact analysis, that would be it, is that someone, that's their barrier. They start to see it as absurd in, instead of... Yeah. Uh, uh, instead of scary, like, I wish I'd, I wish I'd watched a good bit of Alfred Hitchcock's like interviews with Dick Cavett and people like that in the lead up to this because he talks about that horror instinct and what like I remember people saying to him why do why do people go to the cinema to be scared mm, yeah like oh yeah there's there's some part of us that likes to do that like uh, maybe a degree removed we like to test ourselves or put ourselves through that. Yeah, it's very interesting though because I don't like I'm like new to horror movies, haven't watched a lot of horror movies. Like it's definitely not like the genre like I'm most fond of. But then when you sit down to watch one, you are anticipating anticipating 
being afraid at some point, and then you're wondering why on earth am I doing that? See, for it's me, not, for it's me, not it's the same the, with other genres of film. It's, it's not the, the same, you know. It's the anticipation that I think scares me, and it's it's like yeah, you're scared of the event. Exactly. <laughs> it's um, and 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 like it annoys me because like as I as I said, it's like it's such a different style of film and genre that like, you you miss so much kind of story that you wouldn't get in other kind of genres and he it has, has to be what he has to be suffered <laughs> um, is it also a reaction to to being alive like there's so very few things that can make you feel alive there's like you know uh love fear death that those are like the big sort of hitters that take you out of the moment and make you feel alive yeah. and then yeah. society where you're not feeling alive is there that thing of seeking out thrill that might be well here's the thing then totally. right but but the in the other examples, whether it be like a, a funny movie or a roller coaster, these are simu- they're simulated experiences. Yeah. I mean, a roller coaster like brings in fear as well. But um, you think about excitement or like any emotion, any strong emotion that is not readily available in the world. So you do simulated experiences, whether it's like entertainment or whatever. But the horror one still stands out, stands proud of that. Do you remember it was was it Goosebumps? It was Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, yeah. One of those programs, and I remember it being. I was in it was in our house in Curry Vale, and it was on, and it was about this little toy clown. It was like a little toy clown thing and whatever. That was like my first memory. And then in Edinburgh, there was a place called Coco the Clowns, where mm-hmm. you would go. It was like a birthday party, and a big guy and a clown would go. And and I went, and I had a, and from that moment, I was terrified because the clown was real. Like it was the first time I'd seen a clown, and the buzz before it was in the telly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm okay now. I'm I'm definitely okay now. But for a long time, clowns were just not my bag. They were not my bag at all. That's yeah. a good, really good Off point. Yeah, it's something you're scary, scared of as a kid, but you think, well, that's in the TV screen. You start to rationalise it, and all of a sudden, you go to a birthday party and it walks through the fucking door. That, and yeah. that's what it was. They had to, and I actually remember they had to take me out. Like my grandma, my grandma took me, and uh, she had to like take me out because I was like a f- absolute fucking mess. Like. Um, Cry my old bitch heart out. I think I was. I, think took, I must have been about five or something. We took Steve, my nephew, to see um for his birthday party. I think it was his fifth or fourth birthday party. Um, we went to a place in Edinburgh where someone dressed up as Peppa the Pig came out. It's like pretty innocuous character, but when he came out, he just Steve couldn't handle it. it like yeah, this thing off the TV is now walking around. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't think cartoon characters translate well to three dimensions. There's, there's <laughs> like an un, there's a total uncanniness about like seeing um. Like Goofy, yeah. Like a someone in a Goofy costume, because Goofy in it's like I'm, I'm I mean, terrified I admit, of Goofy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's something <laughs> quite grotesque about Goofy in two dimensions. But when you upscale that to three, ah, it's grotesque. No, even the fact of like to put a person in this <laughs> that this suit has to be like nine foot tall, and you're like, oh, exactly, yeah, nine <laughs> yeah. foot tall thing, like, yeah. Why is this like piglet nine foot tall? I, I, I do not I don't like these convenient narratives I'd be like why are you afraid of this oh it's because I had this experience as a kid to me that sounds that's obviously I can't like uh, say other people's experience is uh, not relevant or it's uh, something disingenuous about it I'm just saying there's something too too simplistic too convenient I mean it's more like kind of metaphysical that like, maybe yeah, what does the, yeah. the pepper pig rep what does the pig represent? That yeah, maybe exactly. hits on capitalism. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That maybe hits on the idea of ontology because because of the idea of like um so in psychology quite often or in the therapy process you've got to give someone a narrative 
you, if someone has an irrational fear, you've got to start to give them a narrative. Maybe people say it doesn't matter whether the narrative is true or not, but it yes. allows someone to understand yeah. why the fear is there. Yeah, so, so you can rationalize it, even if uh-huh. it's yeah, and it, yeah. may, it may be bullshit. But yeah, so like rationalize that, that that fear of that fear that you carry from childhood uh, is just a rationalization of it. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's, it's a convenient explanation. It's the, the fear of uh, seeing a clown and then uh, seeing it represented in real life in like three dimensions, which was awful, is the horror of having your dreams made real. It's, it's like dream turned to nightmare. A dream made real is a nightmare. So as a, as a kid, you can have all your childish imaginations about your toys or the characters that you like and that's quite pleasant inside your own head but when it's made real in the real world that's when it just becomes it doesn't fit it's incongruous and, and, and where where, do, where does the idea of that come from like the idea of i just pulled out my ass <laughs> oh, no, but i mean like even for, for a kid the idea is um so matthew a friend of the pod. Can we have some support of the pod? Matthew, five-year-old friend of the pod. Matthew's not five. <laughs> oh, he's going to be five. Me, sorry. Oh no, wait, that's Stephen. Sorry, that's Steve. Matthew's yeah. up. Stephen. <laughs> Matthew will be three. Yeah, so I'm, get, I'm getting the friends of the of the pod. Okay. Stephen. Uh, is a five-year-old boy. Stephen's a five-year-old boy. And Matthew's two. Matthew, <laughs> Matthew is two going on three. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Why do you have so many friends that are children? Get to Matthew. <laughs> more context is needed, even more. Yeah, uh, yeah why do you dress up as a clown? <laughs> why are Matthew. all your friends children? So Matthew, well, he, he's got a fear of like, he'll come down and say like, oh, there's, a, there's a, a monster under my bed. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what? How does? How has he got the idea of what a monster is, or like what fear is? Is that an innate thing of like? Well, a fear we know of- that like babies, you know, that, like babies aren't afraid of anything because they've got no. You heard this before, like babies are not afraid of the dark, or they're not afraid of like heights. Like babies, I'm, I'm not making that up. I'm please tell me you heard of that as well. Like, well yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's, I've like, got no idea. It's like kind of fears are kind of yeah. Are they cultural? Yeah. Are they learned? Are they innate? Yeah, fears have to yeah, when be Matthew learned. comes down the stairs, it's, it's like he's actually talking about a kind of a he real physical monster. monster yes. that yeah, yeah. yeah. He's not talking like a metaphor. No one knows where he's got the idea from. It's like a, he knows that oh, the, 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 things that he doesn't yeah. like, and then he starts to think, well, those things that I don't like might be in my room yes. in places that I don't want them to be. Yeah, there comes a point between like the young kids, the, the baby and the toddler, when the toddler begins to realise that his imagination could be made real in the real world. So the monsters that he imagines in his head are now in reality under his bed. The under your bed thing was quite that's quite common, like monsters under the bed. So yeah, if, he, if he hasn't seen that in a media sense, it could be a case of like maybe like if he's tried to get under his bed. And he's been told off. Like, you, like, don't go under there. You, can't, an you, can't, you like, can't go under there. But I mean, it has to be from somewhere, doesn't it? Like, probably you probably stop saying to him, don't fuck around, the monster will get you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. Somebody might have said that. Somebody said, fucking don't dangle your feet over the edge of the bed because your toes will get burnt off. Maybe that wow. comes into parenting, like the fear aspect. That's a good way to say Chastise him. Don't do that. If you're... Wow. What, Who, what bought that? Wow. <laughs> Who bought what a gong? Who bought a gong to the podcast? That? The That's making the cut. Set up. I just like, jumped in my skin. I just jumped in my skin. <laughs> and that. One of the... One of the oh, the, it's regular. Flying off the boom. Technical difficulties. Yeah, saying like, don't, don't huh? do that or you're... 
dead uncle will come and fucking have something to say about it. Yeah, that family member never said that to you. Don't, don't Christ, exaggerate. Don't exaggerate. <laughs> just, just no one else get that story. Like, don't do that or your, your uncle Sonny will come out his grave. Your uncle Sonny will come out his grave. And his lungs don't work that good, so he'll be really pissed off. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. You can find us on all major podcast platforms. Tweet us at the Power Pod or on our website, thepowerpod.com. Thanks again. Bye bye. <laughs>